what feels like a lifetime ago, I was a student pastor. And one of the first big events that we were throwing when I went to the church was a Super Bowl party. Of course, you couldn't call it a Super Bowl party because then the NFL would try to shut you down because of copyright and everything else. So I forget what we called a Super Sunday or something like that. But we wanted to, we wanted to have a, a great party and wanted the students to feel uh, excited about it and make it something that they could invite friends to. And so we loaded, we loaded the party up with, with gifts and giveaways, door prizes that would excite people. And one of the things that I was able to acquire was a Tim Tebow signed post uh, signed picture, which at the time was the height of Tebow mania, and everybody was going crazy about him. He was winning national championships at Florida, uh, so it was a really really big deal. And I got this autographed photo that we were going to give away as the grand prize. And as I was getting all the prizes together and getting them ready a couple days before the big Super Bowl party. I was looking over the photo again, and I realized it wasn't actually signed. It wasn't a legitimate autograph. It was one of those pictures that makes it look like it's a legitimate autograph, but it wasn't actually signed. And we had promoted that we were going to be giving away a signed picture of a future Hall of Famer, which, I mean, that turned out to be a lie anyhow, unless you go college Hall of Fame. Uh, but we, we were... We were like we were building this picture up like a really big giveaway only for me a couple days before the party to realize it wasn't authentic. It wasn't legitimate. And this was in Mississippi. There weren't exactly a number of sporting goods stores that you could go to and find authentically signed merchandise just days before a Super Bowl. I didn't know what I was going to do because what I thought was the real deal wasn't. This morning, we're going to continue what we started last week called Better Together, and we, we saw last week the need for each other in our lives. We went back to the early church in Acts chapter 4, and we saw how the early church functioned as a really tight-knit community and how God's design for us is to live within community. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us today. We're going to be pulling apart some verses in Romans chapter 12. You can join us the events feature under the under the Bible app. Once you open it up, just go to the events tab and either enable your locations or you can type in zip code 54201. You can follow along with us there. You can make notes and revisit things throughout the week. It's a great app, a great resource. Highly recommend you to utilize that. But join us if you would, please, as we dive in this morning in Romans 12, 9, where we read this verse, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love be genuine. So the first thing we see is there's fake love. There's fake love. Realize that not everybody who, who proclaims to love you actually does. And this is, this is really hard and this is really difficult. Because when we think people love us, we let our guard down. We let them in. And we allow ourselves to become vulnerable. And sometimes fake love is, is no more than just acting like you feel st more strongly about somebody 
than you do, but sometimes it's even more vicious than that. Sometimes it's people who will loudly declare their love for you. They don't love you at all. And maybe, maybe you've felt the sting of this in your own life. Maybe it's been in a romantic relationship. Maybe it's been in a friendship. Somebody that you thought you could trust. Somebody that you thought would be with you no matter what. Only for you to discover in the end that that person didn't have your best interest in mind. And not only that, but they did you wrong in a really big way. And it hurts so much because you allowed them in and you gave them your trust. See, there's this idea that, that if you just say that, that, that you love, and this is why it's so dangerous to want to be loved by everybody, because there's no possible way, there's no possible way for you to be loved by everyone. There's no possible way. Not everyone is going to love you. And if you make that your standard and you make that your goal, for you to be loved and accepted by everyone, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because some people are going to hate you for no good reason at all. Some people are going to hate you because they're miserable people. And they're envious. And they're jealous. Whatever the case may be, there is no possible way for you to be loved by everyone. And when you set your standard and you set your goal for you to be the most loved, and that's where you find your value, and that's where you find your self-worth, you are setting yourself up for a miserable failure. Now, to be clear, I don't think the vast majority of what the Apostle Paul's talking about here when he writes these words is that people who, who have the worst in mind for us, I don't think he's talking about that, but there's certainly some element of that. I think much more what he's talking about is this idea that we so flippantly choose to, choose to just say that we love people, but he's saying make sure that you really mean it. Make sure that it's something that actually penetrates how you live. Don't just throw it around, but make sure it's something that you actually mean. Don't be quick to say it with your words, but be quick to model it with your actions. Let love be genuine. Not everyone who declares their love for you actually loves you. He says, hate what's evil. Hate what's evil. And hold fast. Hold fast what is good. Cling to it with all of your might. Hold on to it as long as you possibly can with all the strength that you can muster. When I was a kid, my parents took us to the beach. And one of the stops at the beach was we went to a kite shop. And I got a brand new kite. And it was exciting. And we went out to these sand dunes. And the wind was whipping. And we had the kite up in the air, and I was holding on to this, this like wooden handle that would unspool the string, and I was holding on to that, and my dad went, and he was helping my sister get her kite up in the air, and my mom must have been over by my sister as well, and my hands were starting to get tired as the wind just kept whipping against the kite, and I didn't have the strength to, to keep holding on to the, to the, wooden, the wooden holder, for all of the for all of the string so i grabbed on to the string because i couldn't hold on to the wood any longer and i didn't want to lose the kite because i really liked the kite that we had gotten and i 
I held on to that string for as long as I possibly could. And it, it started jacking up my hands as a result of holding on to the string and that wind. And finally, I just had to yell for help. And my parents, finally realizing what was going on, ran over and, and they, they finally picked up the wooden holder. But I held on to that string even when it was hard, even when it hurt. I like the kite so much. He says, hate what's evil and cling to what's good. And there are going to be times that cling to what's good takes all of the strength that you can muster. There are going to be times where it hurts to cling to what's good. And it would be easier just to let it go. But he says, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Hold fast. You hold fast to what's right. You hold fast to what's good. Even in a world where nobody else, it seems, is holding on to what's right. You don't become jaded. You don't throw in the towel. You hold on to it with all of your might as long as you possibly can. Don't let go. Don't let go. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I, I, I love this picture. Love one another with brotherly affection. Out of, all of the, out of all of the examples that he could have used, he chooses that of brothers. I never had the privilege of growing up with a brother. I just have one older sister. She would always beat me up. As soon as I could beat her up, we were no longer allowed to fight. It has scarred me to this day, all right? Some of you may wonder why I am the way I am. That's one of the reasons right there. She could just destroy me. I mean, it just destroyed me. My parents would always say, Heather, one day he's going to be able to take you. You better be careful. And then as soon as I could, they're like, you can't fight your sister. You don't hit women. I'm like, what? Like, where is this? Like, it was just a double standard. But I, I now have two boys. I now have two boys. And they love each other but they're brothers. And sometimes the best way that they express that love is tackling each other and yelling at each other and fighting. And, and I let it happen. I mean, not to a point where it's dangerous, but, but I let it happen because understand that brothers, one of the things that brothers are going to do is they're going to fight. But I can also see it this young age. They have each other's back. They have each other's back. They get on each other's nerves more than anybody else in the world. And there are times they don't want to be around each other. There are times that they want to, they, it, and it does, it comes to blows. There's all those times where they're like, oh, I can't stand you. But they love each other and they're figuring that out. And when push comes to shove, they have each other's back. It's not always easy. But it's true. And it's real and it's deep. It's not always easy to live in love. It's not always easy to get along. It's not always easy to put aside our own preferences or the preferences of somebody else. It's not always easy to want to live in community.
And the idea is that it doesn't have to be fake. As we just saw, this is, this is rooted in this idea that let love be genuine. Let it be real, not just something that's expressed. Let it be actually something that you model in your life. Let love be genuine, which means sometimes love is ugly, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you want to throw in the towel, but you don't because it's love. And sometimes you just want to look at somebody, tackle them, and punch them in the face. And you can't do that because you're not a little kid anymore, and we live in a civilized society. But that doesn't mean you don't want to, but you don't give up on the person. Because when push comes to shove, you've got their back. Because more than any difference, more than any annoyance, more than anything else, your family. You may have nothing else in common you're a follower of Jesus, you're family. And that's enough. You choose brotherly affection. You choose to love. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Honor and elevate others. Honor and elevate others. In a look at me, look at me, look at me generation that sadly finds its self worth for so many, and how many likes and clicks they get on a social media platform, which is so shallow and leaves you wanting so much more. And a generation that just says, Look at me, look at me, look at me, he says, No. You honor others. It isn't about you. It isn't about you building up your story. It's about you leveraging your opportunities to honor others. In a world that says, look at me, the call for us who follow Jesus is to say, how can I leverage my platform, whatever that platform is, to elevate, not myself and my own interests, but elevate others. Outdo, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. If it's worth doing, have enthusiasm. If it's worth doing, have enthusiasm. Now, some people just have more enthusiasm than other people, and that doesn't mean that you need to fake it. There's nothing worse than fake enthusiasm. It's, it's, it's miserable. Think back to your high school days and that teacher that you had, first period at 7.30. Think back. If you ever had a teacher like I had for homeroom one year, good morning, everybody. It's like, no. There's nothing good about this morning. You have sent me back to prison. I am here. I do not want to be here. My body was not made to function at this hour. Why do you hate me so much? 
If you've ever been around, if you've ever been around false enthusiasm, you know it's just, oh, it's it's grating and it's just so annoying. It's not saying that you have to be that. You don't have to throw yourself out there in some fake way that's over the top. It's not a call for that. But what he's saying is if it's worth doing, have enthusiasm about it. And whatever that looks like for you is great. Some of you aren't very expressive, and that's all right. You don't have to run around acting like you're the biggest extrovert in the world. But it does mean that whatever you do, do with enthusiasm, do with joy, do with excitement. For some of you, it's going to be like, boo! And that's as much as anybody's ever going to get, and that's fine. That's how God's made you. That's great. Like, woo means you're having the best day of your life. Others of you are going to be like, woohoo! on the worst day of your life. Everybody's going to be like, okay. All right, I don't know what they have, but maybe I'll have a little helping of it. Not all of it, but a little helping of it, right? Because all that, mm, that's just too much. But a little, but he's saying if it's worth doing and serving Jesus is worth doing, if it's worth doing, have enthusiasm. Have enthusiasm about it. Serve God, not begrudgingly, not as though it's something that you have to do, but serve God with joy. Serve God with joy. Not because God needs us, by the way. This is, this is just one of the greatest privileges that we have as people who follow Jesus. The ability to work for God. And not because God needs us. Because He doesn't. God doesn't need any of us to accomplish anything. That's the reality. God doesn't need you. I know, that's heartwarming, right? Like, let's, let's start that bumper sticker movement. God doesn't need you. Visit Lakeside, right? I mean, but that's just the reality. It's just the reality. God doesn't need us to accomplish anything. He is able to accomplish whatever he wants to on his own, which quite frankly, the more you think about it, is really good. Because I would hate to think that anything related to God is hanging in the balance on how well I do something. That's just, like, I have a lot of confidence in myself, but I don't have that much confidence in myself. So I'm a lot happier that God doesn't need me, but he chooses to utilize me to get to partner with him in accomplishing things for his glory which means we don't serve out of compulsion. We serve out of the fact that God allows us to partner with Him in accomplishing things so much greater and bigger than us. Not because God needs it, but because in God's goodness, He chooses to utilize us and accomplishing things for him. Be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. When things are bad, be constant in prayer. I don't think that's hard for most of us. I think most of us, when, when times are really tough and it seems we've got nowhere else to go, we, we do pretty well on this. I think what's hard for most of us is when times are good. When we're experiencing seasons of blessing. It's when the Israelites always struggled. It wasn't during the hard times that they turned to God. No, 
During the hard times, that's exactly where they turned. But during the seasons of blessing, God seemed to be the furthest thing from their minds. So being constant in prayer means, yes, in the hard times, we desperately cry out to God. But it also means, yes, in the good times, we desperately cry out to God. And we don't allow our circumstances to dictate frequency in which we communicate with God. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We talked a lot about generosity last week. And just, again, the reminder is this. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, generosity needs to be in your DNA. If you are a follower of Jesus, generosity needs to be in your DNA. It's an, out, it's an outpouring and it's a response to the goodness of God and what he has given us. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Not everyone's going to love you. So do good to those who treat you poorly. Bless those who persecute you. And this can be incredibly challenging, obviously. But just remember, oftentimes, how people treat you isn't indicative of you. Oftentimes how people treat you is not indicative of you. It's indicative of them. How they live their lives. What's going on in their story. What's happening with them. As followers of Jesus, we have a choice when people treat us poorly because they will. That choice is we can lash out. We can respond. Or we can choose to bless those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse. Can I tell you the problem with this? At least for people wired like me. It's a lot more fun to curse than bless somebody who's persecuting you. It feels a lot better in the moment. You know the problem with that? Is the moment's fleeting. And while it may feel better in the moment, The moment passes. You will be persecuted. There will be people who do not like you. There will be people who wrong you. And the question is, in those moments, what do we do? And the call for those of us who follow Jesus Bless those who treat us poorly. Is to bless those who would malign our reputation. Is to bless those who do not deserve blessing. But it's to push off 
the instant reaction that we want to have and that makes us feel better in that moment. It's to push that off. So instead, choose to respond in the way that Jesus has called us to. And that is to bless our enemies and bless those who speak poorly about us. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See, community is not merely an interest in each other. That's one of the biggest problems that we have with social media. Social media creates this, this platform for us to have an interest in one another's lives. That interest many times is very superficial and very shallow. Because we take the best 3% of our life and we throw it out there and make people think that's all of our life. Hiding the other 97%. But legitimate community calls for us to walk in the darkness. It calls for us to walk in those areas that we like to hide. It calls for us to let people in to our lives. And it calls us to go into others' lives to be there. Not just at an interest level. Not just to be aware of what's going on. But to be so intrinsically connected that when you rejoice, I am authentically happy for you. And when you weep, I'm right there beside you. With my arm around you. And I can't promise that the tears are going to come because, I don't know, there's just a defect. I mean, sometimes I look over and, and pretty much we watch a movie trailer and Brooke will have tears in the, in the corners of her eyes. And I'm like, it was two and a half minutes. You know it. Like, what... What's going on? She's like, it's just, it's sad. And I'm like, it wasn't your dog. What's sad about it? It's just how I'm wired. So I can't promise that the tears are going to come, but I'm going to have my arm around you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep is a call for us to move beyond the superficial and a call for us to be invested and engaged to the point what you feel, I feel, because I love you so much. This is hard. And it's messy. And it takes time. But this is the rule. Not the exception. This is the type of community that we're called to be a part of. Not merely interested in each other's lives. But walking together so that no person who follows Jesus, so that no person who calls Lakeside home feels like they are alone. 
their people. Not just in your circle, but in your corner. We're there for you, no matter what you face or experience. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't think so highly of yourself. Don't think so highly of yourself. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Be the bigger and better person all the time. This is the community that we as people who follow Jesus have been called to be a part of. It was Sunday of the Super Bowl. I didn't have the grand prize. I mean, I had the grand prize, but then the question is, do we just give away the photo and act like it's an authentic audit? What do we do? We couldn't find a replacement. Out of nowhere at church that Sunday. I named Melvin, who had a couple kids in the student ministry, came up to me. I said, hey, I, I got something I'm not sure if you'd be interested in or not. But a few years ago, I, I won this at work, and I don't, I don't, really, I don't really care about it. So if, if you can use it to give away, that'd be great. He pulls out an authenticated Peyton Manning signed picture. You want this to give away? I'm not a hugger, and I wanted to hug that man. The beauty of community. is that even when others don't know it, even when others have no clue what you're experiencing or what you're going through, they're there for you. They're there for you even when others have no idea that you're hanging on by a thread. Or you're faking it until you make it. Or just how chaotic life is. Why does this matter so much? Because this is what the church has been called to be. It's been called to be a community that is unified in our faith in Jesus and works together so that each of us can 
becomes more like Him. The question is, are you willing to live a life where you invest in others and allow others to invest in you? Because that's the life that God has called us to. And that's the life that we all need. Whether we realize it or not. And if we don't now, there will come a time or a circumstance where that becomes crystal clear. God, I pray that we would be people who live lives that are deeply invested in one another. I pray that no person who follows you and no person who calls Lakeside home would feel isolated or alone. I pray that every person who calls this place home would have people in their lives who rejoice with them in the good times and are willing to weep with them in the bad. That we would be a place where love is genuine. And out of everything in the world that could divide us, We refuse to allow anything to. Because at our core, we're family. That is greater than anything that we disagree on. Pray, God, that anyone here who's trying to walk through life alone would realize that doesn't make them stronger. That you don't sacrifice your individuality when you become part of a collective that's bigger than just you. So God, help us love others. Help us see our need for community. Help us together lock arms. Help each other grow closer to you. And reach the world around us that desperately needs you. God, we ask that you would be honored and that you would work in Lakeside that you would work in us, through us, around us, and in spite of us for your glory and your fame. In your son, Jesus' name we pray.